If you have your copy of God's Word, if you'll find your place in James chapter 5. James chapter 5, as we continue as a body of believers here at First Baptist Church to give our consideration to the theme, Revive Us Again. And we are talking these days about revival praying. So you've come to church, you've heard all the bad news all week, it's time for some good news. Anybody want to say amen to that? So it's time for good news. God's Word is good news. The Lord Jesus saves. That is good news. And that's what we're here to celebrate, and it's good to see all of you here today. So in the midst of all of these days in which we uh, are facing, with whatever you want to describe in the current events around us, our job is to pray. That's what God called us to do. While the, while the world is burning while the politicians are bickering, and while there's unrest and hate everywhere, we pray. We pray. God calls us to pray as His people. That is your responsibility and mine. We pray and we ask God for revival, and He sends revival according to His own purposes in His own times. We're praying these days that God might send corporate revival to this church to the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ around the world, that the sleepy church of America would wake up and that the churches of persecution would wake up and that we would rise up and do our job in these days. Look, the page of history has turned. It'll never be like it was before. You want to go back to that, but it's gone. Time has moved on. There's a time for everything. God's purposes will be accomplished in the world, whether we're part of it or not. And God's purposes are being done in the world today. What kind of eyesight do you have? Do you see what the news broadcaster tells you? Or have you been praying and God's been telling you His secrets? That's where we find ourselves today. And so for every individual here who calls yourself a Christian... You have a responsibility to do something about prayer. So we continue to talk about prayer. On Wednesday nights, if you're able to join me uh, electronically and all of you are watching us, God bless you. I know some of you can't come. You wish you could. God bless you wherever you are. We're glad that you're with us today. May the Lord bless you richly. For all of us who are here, we're talking about personal revival. We need to be revived every day. We must experience revival power from the Holy Spirit of God to live the Christian life. But we're talking on Sunday mornings and giving consideration to the fact that God, in His own sovereign time, when, it's, when He's ready, stirs and revives the church corporately, and that's what we're praying for our church. I hope you've joined me in praying every day for revival for this church and revival for the global church and for awakening in the world. So we come now to look in James chapter 5 at these very familiar verses. I know many of you here know you very well. Very knowledgeable people in First Baptist Church about the Word of God, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to be able to preach to people who understand the Word of God, but there's sometimes a challenge with that because some of you teach and preach and speak and you have your own ideas about it, but today we come to submit ourselves to what the Holy Spirit has to say to us afresh and anew about a very familiar place in God's Word. So we find ourselves in James chapter 5, and we'll be looking primarily at verses 16, 
17 and 18. So I'd like for you to stand now and honor the reading of God's Word as we look at these words from James and we give consideration to them as we think about revival praying. James writes to believers, and that is the gathering we have here today. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Heavenly Father, we stand here today with our Bibles open. Some of us stand here today, and we will immediately forget these words from Your Word, and the seed of Your Word will not do its work. Some, because of their burdens and their troubles and their struggles and their bondage to this world, will hear these words, but the seed of the Word will be choked out because they they have too many weeds in their life. But there will be some good ground hearers who will hear the Word of God today and will respond to it and be a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. We stand here reminded of the day we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give account of everything we've done in our flesh, including what we've heard from Your Word. So we stand now accountable to You. Oh, may the Holy Spirit of God stir this church, pulling down the strongholds and awakening people to turn to Jesus and for believers to find themselves doing their most important work, which is praying. Forgive us for our prayerlessness. And may God by the Holy Spirit meet us at the Word today. And may we be different because we've been here today. For eternity's sake. For the gospel's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As I mentioned to you each week, the focal truth, there are many truths we could pull from these verses My primary focus today as we consider revival praying is this. The prayers of the righteous are powerfully effective. The prayers of the righteous are powerfully effective. If we're going to consider revival, you have some very interesting words here that describe some of the things that happen in corporate revival when God's people are revived in verse 16. Confess your sins to one another. That means you got to be vulnerable. That means you've got to be transparent. You've got to be honest. You've got to be willing to make things right when they've been wrong. You've got to clear your relationships up with one another and with God. Confess your sins to one another and pray. They go together if we're expecting God to bring revival. I must confess to you my sins and admit my failures. Asking for your forgiveness. You must do the same, and then we must pray for one another. Notice that you may be healed. The healing of God comes as we confess to one another and we pray. Some of us haven't gone across. That sounds so easy, but it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. That's what prevents. 
God from moving in and doing what He wants to do. My focus today is on the sentence in verse 16. One sentence. This is what I'll spend my time on today, uh, laboring to preach to you as best I can. This one sentence, I read from the New American Standard. You're very familiar with that. I know you have various translations. I'll make a few comments on the way it's written so that we can all be together on it. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Wait a minute. The effective prayer. It doesn't say prayers. The effective prayer of a righteous man. It doesn't say righteous men. A effective prayer. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. The prayers of the righteous are powerfully effective. You need to know that these days. That's why prayer is important for God's people. The world looks at it and says, well, throw up a few prayers, whatever that means. But for us as God's people, we understand prayer is drawing near to God, turning and coming before a holy God, and the eye of God looks at us and determines what kind of shape am I in when I meet God in prayer? Am I a proud man? Am I an arrogant man? Am I full of my own self? Am I coming with my list and my bags of things I need God to do for me? What kind of shape am I in when I present myself before God? If I pray at all. And I cannot imagine someone saying, I am saved and not praying. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. For my scholars in here, if we could all read this in the original language, it's beautiful. The word effective and the word accomplish are actually the same Greek word. It is the word for work. It literally reads, the working prayer of a righteous man does a lot of work. A working prayer. The working prayer of a righteous man gets a lot done. And that's what we'll talk about today. Well, I must get in your business for a minute here and ask you some questions about your prayer life. Let me start by asking you this. Have you seen God answer your prayers? Have you seen God answer your prayers? Have you experienced in your life the humbling experience of going before God, drawing near before Him and presenting petitions to Him, adoring Him, confessing your sin, thanking Him for all that He does, and then supplicating. That's a good word for Americans to learn. Supplicate. We don't like to supplicate. You have to to God. It's the only way you can pray. You've got to supplicate. You come and you supplicate. You present asking Him for mercy. Have you seen God? Have you seen and experienced God answer your prayers? Well, I must ask, secondly, what I've been driving home with you over and over about the nature of your prayers. Are your prayers connected with the will of God or your will? Are, is this, are you just coming and saying, Lord, here's my bag of stuff and I really appreciate you meeting with me. And I know I've got a lot to do, and I'm just going to leave these with you. I'll just leave this bag of things with you here, and you, you can do whatever you want, but I know you'll 
Give me all the things I want. Give me, give me, give me, God. That's what I want. Or do you pray for God's will to be done? Which is it in your prayers? Have you seen God answer your prayers? And are your prayers tied to doing the accomplishing of the will of God in this world? People act as if, again, I've said it to you, some think all of this mess we're in is biological. Some think it's just accidental. But it is providential. God is working. He is speaking. Micah 6, 9. He is speaking to the cities of the world through all of this chain of circumstances. And what will people hear? Only if God's people pray. You see, you and I have a responsibility now. It's time to get to work. Stop posting. Stop playing. Stop complaining. Pray. Do the job, God's... Do you pray for the will of God to be done? What kind of desires, what kind of desire drives your prayer life? Do you just mutter a few words? You just mutter, just stumble along, you wake up out of bed. Oh, I don't, the man says, I can't pray very well till I get some coffee. What kind of talking is that? Does desire fire your prayers? And I must say this to you, I've listened to this my entire ministry life. Some people talk about prayer like it's some kind of a rabbit's foot. You know about a rabbit's foot. Some people think you rub that thing and it'll bring you good luck. Boy, you know, what's the fellow say? I I can use all the prayers I can get. Not, I can use all of God I can get. I can use your prayer like it's a magic potion. You see, my friend... When you pray, do you just think about things or do you have, do you express earnestness and desire and do you work in your praying? This is a very important question. In fact, prayer is more than thoughts about needs, thoughts about people. Prayer is drawing before God and seeking answers from God about His will, not your will and mine. We have a lot to learn about praying, don't we? We have a lot to learn about moving from being juveniles and infants to full-grown, mature people of God who pray for the will of God to be done. So we go to Elijah. we've, We've talked about Moses. Amazing. We've seen the prayer of Solomon. Amazing. But we come to, oh, rough as a cob, Elijah. Just cut out of rawness, full of the power of God, but he was just like us. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And God greatly used him. He was a righteous man and his prayers were powerfully effective. So I have four observations quickly from this sentence. Number one, Elijah prayed to God as a righteous man. We'll talk about that for a moment. Number two, Elijah prayed earnestly to God. We'll talk about that for a moment. I need to elaborate. That's what preachers do. They make their point and then they talk about it for a while. Elijah's prayer, number three, was effective 
because, this is very important, Elijah's prayer was effective because God answered his prayer. Prayer is only effective when God answers it. And God answered Elijah's prayer to accomplish God's purposes, not Elijah's. So we spend some time now being challenged as James finishes this wonderful, oh, what, what a letter James is. What a letter. What a, what a blessing we have in the Word of God. All of it, every bit of it is all so beautiful. It varies, it has variety, and yet it is all the whole counsel of God's Word. It is inspired, it is blessed to us, it's alive. And when you come and open your Bible and you have a right heart, the Holy Spirit will set you on fire and make you think about things, and you can't get them out of your mind. That's better than some of the things that are on your minds today. So first of all, praying as a righteous man. Notice it there, the effective prayer of a righteous man. God doesn't need but one. God doesn't need but one. Everybody else in the in these days in Israel, these dark days, King Ahab, what kind of a failure was he? Scared to death, pitiful, feeble, weak, cowardly, but he was married, don't worry, to Jezebel. And she got stuff done. What a team. The darkness of, the darkness of the days when these wicked ones in control of Israel and the idolatry of God's people. And Elijah shows up. We don't have recorded, by the way, the prayer of Elijah for it to stop raining. We do have his praying condition, I'll talk about in a moment, when it started raining again. We only have James giving us this information. That Elijah prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain. A righteous man prays. You see, pagan praying, my dear friend, is repetitive words with no purpose. Bowing down in a particular direction multiple times a day. Spinning prayer wheels. This goes on all around the world in pagan darkness. And people who follow false religions. Spinning prayer wheels and bowing down in a certain direction. Thinking that somehow, somehow, that gains the eye and the ear of God. Does it burden us? the darkness of a world, and then the mass of people who science is their God and they don't pray at all. There's the atheists who don't pray. There are the pagans and those in false religion who pray repetitive words. What did the Lord say? Don't pray with just repetitive words. Talk, talk, talk over and over and over. Have you ever noticed that the prayers of the apostles are really short? Talk, 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 go, 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 over and over and over. You see pagans pray repetition, rep repetitive words with no purpose. The hypocrites pray. I've been a hypocrite and prayed. You have too, even if you may not admit it. You're in church. I've prayed like a hypocrite. You know how hypocrites pray? They pray to hear themselves pray about how good their prayer was. It's beautiful prayer. Oh, that was a, have you ever saw? That was a beautiful prayer. A beautiful prayer. 
wasn't an effective prayer. Hypocrites pray to be heard by men, not by God. What did the Lord teach us? Father, what did the hypocrites say? Oh, the Pharisee, I'm thankful. I am great. I am better than all these pitiful people. That's what hypocrites say. I'm better than everybody. I don't need God. I can just talk to myself and be seen by others, and they'll think I'm really religious. Pagans pray, pray repetitive words. Atheists don't pray. Hypocrites pray to be heard, but righteous people. Righteous prayer first starts with those who are saved. Those who are saved are the righteous. So, righteous prayer is the prayer of the saved. It is the prayer of faith in God. We read it here in these verses just above about the prayer of faith. Is anyone sick? Verse 14. Let him call for the elders. They pray over him, anointing with oil. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sin, he'll be forgiven. So this is the picture. It is the prayer of the saved. The righteous are the saved who pray. The righteous are those who pray in faith. The righteous are those who pray for God's will to be done on the earth. And the righteous are those who pray, listen, for others who will not pray for themselves. Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked. Proverbs 15, 29. But, the Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayer of the righteous. 1 John 5, 14. This is, the, this is the confidence we have before Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. My friend, what does God hear when you pray? What does He hear you saying when you pray? If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked of Him. Elijah prayed to God as a righteous man. Secondly, Elijah prayed earnestly. Now let me get to this for a moment. Another way you can read this is, He prayed in prayer. Do you pray in prayer? Or do you just do it as a formal routine? Well, I've been doing this all my life. Okay. Well, that's a formal routine. That's a ritual. You see, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, verse 17, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. He's just like us, but he prayed earnestly. Is there any work in your praying? Is there any earnestness in your praying? Is it just mumbo-jumbo? Muttering out words or thoughts. You see, earnest prayer, sincere prayer, comes from the heart. It's heartfelt prayer. It's convicting prayer. You're convicted about it. You have a burden about it. You're on fire. You must say it. When he prayed, he prayed in his prayers. Do we pray in our prayers? Psalm 5. Three, in the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice in the morning. I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. I read this to you now because when the rain was to come back, Elijah prayed again as Elijah, as James says about Elijah. 
In 1 Kings 18, we read, Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees, and in a little while the sky grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy shower. He prayed earnestly. And we read these sacred words I'm about to read, which we always pass over, but you cannot. Being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood. Falling down on the ground, the Lord Jesus prayed with earnestness. And I ask you, does the church pray with any earnestness? Or is it just words and talk? And there's no heart in it. Elijah prayed to God as a righteous man and he prayed earnestly. And I could say much more, but I must move on. Elijah, his prayer was effective because God answered his prayer. He prayed earnestly, verse 17, that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. I read you these words. The confidence of this man of God who prayed. Now Elijah, this is 1 Kings 17.1. Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to the king, As for as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. That's confidence in your prayer. He prayed, and it did not rain for three and a half years. You farmers here, what are you going to do without rain for three and a half years? What's going to happen to the economy? What's going to happen to jobs? What's going to happen? It did not rain. And then he went on to the top of the mountain, as I read. He got down, and he put his face down, and he prayed earnestly. And he told his servant, go look out there. You see any clouds? No, nothing there. Prayed. He prayed earnestly. He prayed for, he prayed, and his prayer was effective as he prayed with earnestness and faith in God. And there was that small cloud like the, like a man's hand. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he lets Ahab know, you better hurry up and get back to the palace because there's a big rain coming. So we learn today, that Elijah prayed to God as a righteous man. Are you righteous? Are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior? Are you still living in unconfessed sin and wickedness? You may be a religious person, but you're lost. You don't care about God. I've been a Baptist my whole life. Congratulations. That's good. That's good. Great. But are you saved? Do you live in righteousness? The righteous pray, and God hears them. He prayed earnestly. Do you pray with any earnestness in your life? Is there any drive to your prayer life? Is there any passion in it? You used to pray like that, but you don't now. You've become sophisticated, right? You've been around a lot of other of these people, and they've taught you how to pray like they do. Dead, meaningless prayers that everybody just listens to in a circle. But God doesn't hear. Elijah prayed, and he was effective in prayer. What effectiveness is there in prayer in this place? I, 
I'm not complaining. I'm making an observation. I said it in the earlier one. I'll say it now. Due time for everyone. It's interesting to me that as I look at our prayer lists that come out around this place, from our Sunday school classes and everywhere else, we have a lot of praying about a lot of things. We don't pray much for God to bring revival and awakening in this world. And what what are we supposed to be praying about? I understand broken legs and sickness and people's nose out of joint and all the rest. But we're going to pray about what matters to God. We're going to pray. And that's enough said. God answered Elijah's prayer to accomplish His purposes. May I remind you again today that we're not here to accomplish any government leader's purposes. May I remind you today that we're not here to accomplish what you think the purposes of the world ought to be. May I remind you today that we're not here to accomplish some kind of satisfaction so we can just live on in our prosperity. You know what the Lord's doing in these days? He's trying to loosen our tight, 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 tight grip, covetous grip on all the things that we thought were going to take care of us and give us security. When's it going to be over? When do I have to not listen to this anymore? I don't know. It didn't rain for three and a half years, and that's a long time. What are you going to do if it lasts for three and a half years? What are you going to do if it lasts five years? What are you going to do if it never gets any different? You're going to have to decide whether God's gone somewhere or if He's at work. You see, the day of those Christians who I would call cultural Christianity, it's over. You're going to have to take sides now. Cultural Christianity's done. You can kind of say a few things about Jesus and walk around, kind of be cool, go to church. It's really a neat thing. But now you're confronted by the lost world and they say that you're a fool if you follow Jesus. You're going to have to decide. Moses said it last week. As soon as they finished with the golden calf problem, you know what he stood up and said? Who's on the Lord's side? Who's on the Lord's side? In all this mess. Who's on the Lord's side? You see, God's prayer, Elijah's prayer accomplished God's purposes. God's purposes. I read you this from 1 Kings 18. There he was standing outnumbered with all those Baal priests and their ungodly immorality and all that they did. If you want to study something that will shame, you think it's immoral now, you go back and study all Baal worship. There they all are. They're all the regal. Bring them all out here, king. Bring all those Baal priests out here. Well, come on. Call down fire, you priests. Dance and sing and talk and do all your muttering. Where's your God? Where's the fire? Never happened. Bring the buckets, Elijah says. Pour the water on top of this sacrifice I have here to God. Pour water all over it. And then he prays, O Lord, answer me that this people may know Answer me that these people may know, O Lord, you are God, and that you have turned their back, you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire fell. Licked it all up. Elijah warned Ahab and told him he would die under the judgment of God if he did not repent. His repentance was short lived, and he declared that Jezebel 
would be judged by God for her wickedness. And we read in first, you see, this is accomplishing the purposes of God. First, the hearts of the people turned back because the fire of God fell and they repented of their idolatry. Then we read, so the king died. Ahab died. He was brought to Samaria. And as they buried the king in Samaria, they washed the chariot by the pool of Samaria. And the dogs, and the dogs licked up his blood. The dogs were licking the blood of the king according to the words of the Lord which he spoke through Elijah. We go on and read. You see, the purposes of God will be accomplished in this world. Someone's saying, Pastor Mike, is it what will God come through in this pandemic? What kind of a question is that? Look. The Lord's going to get done what He wants to get done in the world, as I said earlier, with or without us. Our job is to pray for God's will to be done right now. What about my children and my grandchildren? What about the will of God? What about my job? What about the will of God? What about the purposes of God as the page of history is turning? It's turning. It is turning, and what you knew before will never be again. Will you serve God in these new days? 2 Kings 9.33, so they threw her down. You see, the new king took over and got rid of Jezebel. They didn't do it like they do nowadays. They just threw her out the window. Some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses. This is the rawness of the Word of God. It's how real it is. Some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall. I'm sure that for some this would be very hard for you to hear. It might hurt your sensibilities. In our little sensible country, filled with a bunch of babies who whine and cry all the time, so they threw her down, and some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses. They went to bury Jezebel, but they found nothing more than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. The dogs ate her right where she had unjustly taken a vineyard from a man who had done nothing. Don't you think God isn't watching and seeing all that goes on? Don't you think it for a second? And this came according to the word which was spoken by Elijah's servant. So what have I said to you? The effective prayer of a righteous man, a righteous man, can accomplish much. That ought to be motivation enough for everybody in here to start praying the right way. You see, if you're righteous, you will pray like a righteous man prays. If you're a righteous man or woman, you will pray earnestly. There'll be some passion and some burden in your praying. There'll be prayer that will be effective because you're asking God to do His will in the world and to accomplish His purposes. All things work together for good. The good is God's purposes for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. 
I'm called according to the purpose of God so that I can pray. What did our Lord teach us as our fundamental in prayer? Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Adoration. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what do we need to remember today as we finish? Well, number one, I want to pause just a moment on these thoughts as we close. And I want you to take them as uh, ways to consider. There are many ways we can apply these principles, but I want to give you these five. Number one, I've said it over and over, but I say it again. The righteous pray and God listens to them. You know, a, a, a child sometimes figures out when their father will listen to them and when he won't, depending on how they behave. Depending on how they behave. Bad kids don't get a lot of the ear from their parents. The righteous pray and God listens to them. I, I just ask you this. Is God listening to what you say when you pray? Or are you just really, in essence, you're just talking to yourself? Where there is great godly desire... There is earnest prayer. You don't have to manufacture it. Last time you didn't have a job, you got burdened about praying, didn't you? Because you had a desperate need. Last time somebody was critically sick, last time there was a great loss in your life, you got burdened about it and you started praying. Where's the burden for the world? Where's the burden? Where's the desire to pray for the nations? Where's the desire to pray for the church? I asked this church, to pray with me every day for revival and for awakening. I ask this church to go to the website and go to operationworld.org and pull up that sheet and pray there every single country we know of in the world is listed alphabetically and pray through them. You'll never travel to all of those countries in the world, but you can by prayer present them to God. Well, we got to pray about everything in Dixon. we got to pray about everything in the world. That's our job. It's time to get to work. It's time to do what we're supposed to do. Instead of sitting around giving our opinions to one another about things that don't matter. While the Lord's work goes on. The prayers of the righteous affect the activities of the world. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Pastor Mike, how can it be that I pray and God hears my prayer and events in the world are altered? I have no idea. That's what He told us to do. So we do it. We spend more time praying, not less. God accomplishes His work as His people pray. And this final one is very important for me to say. I tried to weigh my words on all these things I'm sharing with you. I'm not trying to waste your time, nor mine. The righteous work in prayer in secret. That's what, when you go to the closet, you go there to work. You go there to work. You go there with a burden. You go there with brokenness. You go there with an urgency. Lord, if you don't do something, what did Moses say? If you're not going to go with us, we don't want to go. What did Abraham say to the Lord when he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? You think it's bad now? 
What did Abraham say? Lord, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Just get, what if there's just a few? Will you spare them if there's a few? What did Moses say? When he was before God in secret, if you won't forgive these people, don't forgive me! We've got the wrong idea about our praying. There is labor in it. There is labor in prayer. The righteous pray with labor. It takes something out of you. Because you are praying for God's will and purposes to be done in a world that doesn't want anything to do with God and never will. The righteous work in prayer in secret while God accomplishes His work in the world. Look, step back during these days and you see how God is going to work because He's doing His work right now. Sadly, most Christians don't see it. They're sleeping. They're really sleepy. We're so tired, aren't we? We just, we just want to do what we want to do our way. And the Lord says, no, I don't think you're going to do it that way. You're going to do it my way. As we pray and work and labor in secret, God does His work and displays His glory in the salvation of men and women coming to Jesus all around the world that we'll never know till eternity. You'll stand someday in eternity if you're saved and you'll witness the harvest that came from these days that you thought were a big waste of your time and energy. Because after all, we're American Christians and everything revolves around us. So what do I have for you in daily use? Well, it's the same old thing, hammer and nail. I love you in Jesus, but as an old person, I repeat myself. So now I repeat myself again. Pray in righteousness to God. I want to tell you something. When you pray as a righteous person, God listens. He's listening to you. Mike, what is it you want to say to me? What did the psalmist say? I love the Lord because He hears my prayers. Oh, the intimacy that comes from your time with God. You'll want more of it once you experience real work in prayer. Pray asking God's will to be done in your life, in others' lives, and in the world. Can you pray that way? It's like three circles. By the way, yours is the last. You pray for the world. You mean i got to pray for people that don't agree with me politically? Pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much. i got to pray for people who do things, terrible things to people. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Pray for the wicked who don't care anything about God. They've not thought about God in their whole life. They're living in total rebellion. They've been given over by God, to, by the wrath of God, because they've suppressed the truth in their lifestyles and the way they live. And they're living in these last days in terrible wickedness. You pray for them. Then you finally pray for yourself. You know what you pray? Lord, make me more like Jesus, not fill my list like Santa Claus. 
You know, the longer you pray and talk with God and pray in His will, you know what you discover? You don't have a list. Any of you remember these phrases from the Sermon on the Mount? When the Lord was telling people, quit worrying, disciples, what are you worrying about all these things? Food, clothing, shelter. Your Heavenly Father already knows what you need, listen, before you pray. He already knows what you need. So do your praying for others and do your praying for the will of God to be done. It will take you to another place. Pray with earnestness. Look at your heart when you pray. Is there anything that really drives you to have a burden and ask God to give you the desires that you need to pray rightly? You see, righteous prevailing prayer brings the power of God. Righteous, prevailing prayer brings the fire of God. Some of us have never seen the fire of God move among people in Holy Spirit convicting power. A few have here. When the glory and fire of God are so strong, you can't even do ministry. You just stop. Because God has come. Righteous prevailing prayer brings life, revival. It brings us life. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much.